0: in another practice and you know figured out all the paperwork and the legal stuff and and just kind of went for it and I figured either way if I lost $5,000 okay at least I'd know Um, and it worked out it worked out really well
1: welcome millionaires and future millionaires you're listening to the millionaires unveiled podcast the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires will unveil their decisions their strategies and their portfolio allocation now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Mail Podcast. This is episode number 291. Brad, what's going on? How's it going in your world?
2: Finally got good weather in California, so we're, we're happy. <laughs>
1: finally got good weather in California. I thought you had good weather out there all the time.
2: Not this year. It's uh, been cold by California standards, raining, so sunny and 80 degrees finally.
1: Oh, man. You're living the dream. That's a nice spring spring day in California, finally, I guess. You poor Californians out there complaining about your weather. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. It's a rough life.
1: Oh, man. Good stuff. Well, we were talking a little bit before before the show. Our guest today, pretty unique in the sense, I think she's probably the first person we've had on that sold not one, but two businesses. It's a pretty unique uh, story for her. And, you know, the fact of selling two businesses before, I mean, she's in her early 40s right now, basically, it's kind of got those sold before she even turned 40. So, really unique story. Uh, You know, I don't know if there's anything specific, Brad, that that you wanted to point it out, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a great interview today with with Nicole.
2: Yeah, Nicole was uh, a lot of fun to interview, and, you know, I think the kind of the tapestry that she wove in the interview was she just figured it out as she went. And some of the things she figured out were super advanced. And so it's a really impressive interview and an impressive millionaire all around.
1: Yeah, no, we're we're super excited and super glad that uh, she reached out. And which brings me to you know, If you're interested to in be on the show, send us an email at gmail.com. Also, if you've got a question for any of our millionaires, you can go ahead and write in. We have uh, also a speak pipe on our website if you want to voice in a question. We'll play it on the air. haven't done that in a while. So if anybody's interested in that, go ahead and, and shoot that uh, over to us and uh, we'll get a rolling. One of, the, uh, one of the things that I was reading this week, which relates to a little bit of what we'd have discussion with, with Nicole being such a small you know, being a business owner, small business owner, I should say, we, uh, we kind of get in the discussion of why she continued to invest in her retirement accounts. And it came across this, across this article, uh, this was on CNBC about in, opening and, and investing in a Roth IRA. And we get into discussion with a lot of people on this podcast about the different retirement accounts, but I think it was pretty interesting, too, one of the points Nicole brought up that, uh, you know, she had basically not even maxed their retirement accounts out from the beginning. I mean, she they started contributing, but it wasn't even maxing out. And, and you'll hear from her numbers uh, here, you know, it's pretty wild. She was able to grow in such a short amount of time, really, just with, you know, some compounding, but but also, you know, just what kind of takes place when you stay consistent, even if it's not putting in the max. But uh, this article goes on to, you know, to, to describe, you know, all the details of, of you know, the mechanics of a Roth IRA and who can invest and who can't. And uh, there's some interesting things, you know, in the news and the media about, you know, what might happen and, you know, what kind of speculation might happen with, With retirement accounts and do we, you know, consolidate to some of these or are they all going to exist the way they are? And (laughs) it's funny because we talked to Nicole about this where she's basically got like, uh, what was it? Seven different kind of accounts basically that were all
2: retired. That was hers. That was hers. Her husband is six or seven too. Yeah. And that's after consolidation.
1: Yeah. So pretty crazy, and uh, you know, it's uh, I think made a joke about Marie condoing her her retirement accounts. But at, at any rate, something to uh, look into for yourself if it, if it applies to you. But uh, yeah, so her net worth uh, five point six million, about one point two million. That's in retirement. She's in her early forties. Brokerage she's got another million and a half, but half a million in cash. She's got a paid for a rental house. She used to be a former primary residence that's uh, at 1.2 million, and then about a million dollars in equity in their current home. So, it'll be a great story. She's a nurse practitioner by trade uh, that became a, a business owner in in that field, and then also owned a, a different business, kind of in the education space. So, great interview with her. Cannot wait to get this rolling. Rolling last week we had Emily. She had a net worth of 1.5 million and 29 year old. Uh, Consultant. So, having a couple couple back to back women on the podcast too. So, without any further delay, let's get into the interview with Nicole. Nicole, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now?
0: Yeah. So, um, I am mom, wife. I'm 42, 42 years old. Um, I have two kids. Husband, I've been with for like 20 years. I went to school, became a nurse, and then went back to grad school a few years after working, and then just worked in the hospitals, primary care. At some point, I started a medical practice because we could, because we moved to the West Coast where laws are a little bit more friendly for nurse practitioners, and just kind of grew that. I, I uh, did that for an, almost a decade. Also, while I was doing that, I kind of started another business, kind of by accident, that was like a online education uh, company, and kind of over the last couple years, I've sold both of them. And right now, I'm just kind of being a stay-at-home mom, running the kids to school, and they're practices and all their appointments and things.
1: Wow. What a story. We got lots to unpack here. But before we do, what's your net worth today?
0: Uh, 5.6 million.
1: Awesome. And what is kind of the breakup of that?
0: All right. So let me bring up my spreadsheet. So this is the combination of me and my husband's and also the stuff we've put away for our kids. So we have retirement that we have, which is 1.2 million. A little over that. 1.23, 1.23, you know, depending on the day of <laughs> the stock market. Uh, we also have some brokerage accounts uh, that we have that's been going, uh, and that's a combination of some, a, a small amount of stock from some companies my husband's worked in, but most of it's all in uh, just regular brokerage accounts. And that is 1.5 million that we have in there. And then when we get to cash, we're a little bit cash heavy. Um, just because we don't really know what all we're doing right now. Um, so we have um, 497000 in our uh, total cash of me and my husband's. And then we have uh, kids accounts. We have 529 accounts for them. And that is about 100000 for our two kids. And then they also have some uh, banking savings accounts, custo- custodial accounts that we have. And that's another, oh, what do you call that, 40000 And then we also have real estate. So we have a house that we originally lived in for almost a decade. And then we uh, also picked up moved a few years ago to a warmer climate from where we were. And so uh, that, so the one house uh, that we originally had lived in is worth $1.2 million, and that's completely paid off. And then our other house that we're currently live in, living in is uh, t- a little over $2.2 million, and that has, uh, that has a mortgage on it, like $1.2, a little less than $1.2. And so our total net worth after all of our, it, that, and that's our only liability. We don't have any other loans or anything like that. Um, we kind of try to stay paid off with everything. And so everything together were 5.64 million overall, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I want to dive a little bit into into the retirement accounts first. So Mm -hmm. when did you start contributing to those? Because that's quite a sizable retirement account that y'all have, especially being as young as y'all are.
0: You know, I actually didn't realize that until you just said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't realize that was sizable for, our, but but it's two of us, so if we divide it, uh, my husband has slightly more in his than I have in mine. So that one point two is a little bit heavier towards his side. But we started contributing as soon as we uh, started working. I would say so. Uh, I'll 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 temper that with. When I started working in my actual career after I finished grad school, so that was when I was 25. And then my husband also started contributing when he was 25 or 26 in his very first job. And that's not like we're contributing a huge amount. That's like, hey, we're really, really poor and we're broke and I have student loans and we have lots of credit card debt. And that is... uh, putting away whatever could, but definitely not putting away the max in any way, shape or form when we first started.
1: When did you start putting away the max or have you ever?
0: No, we have been putting away the max. So my businesses that I've had, I've always tried to put away the max that I could if we had it. So there was a couple years that like, I was able to throw you know, depending on which, because I've had a number of different accounts. So I have like a simple IRA. I have a SEP. I have a traditional IRA that was from a rollover. Um, I started a Roth. My first job, I had a 403B. And then another job, I had a 403B. So I would say we didn't start putting away the max until probably our mid to late 30s.
1: Wow. So At any any rate, contributing from your 20s, but not really hitting the max till a decade in. Yeah. Wow. And of, of all the different accounts, have you consolidated all of those at, at some point to put them in one spot, or are they all sitting in your simple SEP IRA, traditional Roth, etc.?
0: Yeah, we have. We've can we've rolled over some of them, but when you've you know worked at a number of different jobs. Some of them just kind of sit there and some of them have made it a little bit difficult to roll over or there's some rules where I have to let things sit for two or three years and then you kind of forget about it. So definitely, I'm happy that I got some of the things rolled over, but we definitely could probably consolidate things a little bit more because I'm looking at the spreadsheet and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven retirement accounts and my husband has six. <laughs> oh man, wow. That's so, yeah, that's a lot to keep track so- yeah, we could we could definitely roll things over.
2: So you need a little Marie Kondo to your, uh, your uh, retirement accounts.
0: Yeah, I kind of get a little bug up my butt every once in a while where I'm like, no, this is too much. And then I start rolling things over and then I get, you know, two or three accounts rolled over for each of us. And then you know, okay, that's three to six accounts. And then this is what we're still left with.
1: (laughs) Oh man. Are most of those invested in index funds or mutual funds or bonds or what?
0: So almost all of them are in target date, or uh, index funds, or or uh, like a like a robo advisor kind of thing. So index fund robo advisors. There's there's two that kind of have a little bit higher fees than I want them to have, but most of the other ones are all like super low fees, because that's one of the things that I realized is fees will kind of eat everything up. So at some point somebody beat that into my head, and I was able to go okay, let's uh make sure that everything's in kind of low fees, and uh, I have a few that aren't, but they're really low amount. So I'm not as worried about that.
1: Yeah. And then no HSA?
0: We have a really, really tiny HSA. My kids have a lot of uh, therapies and uh, medical appointments and we've all had surgery in the last year and everything. So it's been a really expensive healthcare year for the last two years.
1: So you basically contribute and use it then?
0: Yeah, we, we, we have. We've just contributed and used it all pretty much yeah i'm like there's like five hundred dollars left in our hsa and that's about it i think i think uh that's from last year this year i think we have 1800 but i got more than that and bill's coming up just in the next month i think with my with my kids (laughs) after insurance
2: so let's pivot a bit you know going back into your initial story you started as a nurse right Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you transitioned to business owner. Can you explain you know, what prompted that and, and, and how did you uh, go about doing that at the time?
0: Yeah. So when I was in grad school, I always thought I wanted to start um, a practice. Just kind of like, you know, you get these grand plans when you're in school and you're all starry eyed and you're like all idealistic and everything like that. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll do that like, you know, five years after I'm done or something like that. And with no real plans on how to do that, but it kind of sat in the back of my mind, and it didn't sound unreasonable because both of my parents—they're not together. They have been together since I was like one, but both of them have been business owners and owned multiple businesses—a whole variety of different businesses—and some of them have been really successful, and some of them have not been successful at all. But I've seen kind of—you can—it can be done. I didn't really have uh, experience of thinking I'm going to go into corporate or. Anything like that. I'm the first one in my family that went to college. So there's a, that, that's kind of a thing on its own. Like, what do people do that are educated? Like, I saw my, you know, my parents both never had a typical job, they each had their own. So, about five or six years after we had moved states from the Midwest to the West Coast, and I wasn't working, I thought, oh, I'll be a stay at home mom. And that lasted about three months. And then I was going nuts. And my husband said, well, if you want to do it. And my mom was like, well, if you want to do it. So they were really supportive. And then I was able to say, okay. And I had like $5,000 in the bank. And I just kind of bootstrapped it and rented a room in another practice. And, you know, figured out all the paperwork and the legal stuff. And and just kind of went for it. And I figured either way, if I lost $5,000, okay, at least I'd know. Um, And it worked out. It worked out really well. And then it ended up being quite a bit bigger than i thought it was going to be and i was learning along the way it wasn't like i went to business school i didn't know anything i just kind of knew hey my mom was very you know was relatively successful and i saw you know she had people that helped her she had a bookkeeper she had a cpa she talked with a lawyer when then she needed to she you know, did all these things. And then I also used to get, you know, pulled into having to help her, you know, do books and everything like that when I was a teenager. So that's probably not an experience a lot of people had. And then I also saw my dad never kept books. And I don't think he had any clue whatsoever what he was bringing in. And so I kind of saw, you know, chaos versus something that, you know, was run at least pretty consistently, like somebody that, Actually knew kind of like how to keep track of everything, and actually I I was thinking about it. And my mom had a computer back in the 80s that I was typing on and like writing short stories and like poems on. And nobody I knew had an Apple computer or a printer. And even when I was a teenager, like when we'd be driving out, and this is like mid 90s, she had a car phone. Nobody had a car phone. That was like so foreign to anybody. So I, I, will say, <laughs> I will say back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s, back in the day, my mom had a lot of stuff a lot of people didn't have, but she used that to run a business and it was just kind of her. So I knew you could run a business and it just be you and figure it out until you had to hire people.
2: Was that like the Zach Morris saved by the bell phone?
0: <laughs> no, that was the brick. This was like <laughs> one step further than the brick. Um, cool. this, this was in a nice little black. It almost looked like a black purse, but it, you know, it, the only way it got power was like you plugged it into like the, you know, the the lighter. What we wow. what we use now is you know a charger, but back then, you know, people used it to light their cigarettes. But yeah.
2: Um, so okay, so that's super powerful. So you had this, you had this kind of almost devil and angel on each shoulder. Like you had an example of how you wanted to run things and how you didn't want to run things. But it also kind of gave you. Uh, imprint that that it's it's doable right and and so so you have just figured it out you started something small and you figured it out now the business is cooking explain how you got to the point where you sold your company
0: so it so it actually had to do with the pandemic um, so things were going i would say relatively well at that point i had multiple providers working I had, at some point, opened a like offshore uh, office in the Philippines. To handle all of our back office, like in billing and everything like that. Cause so I learned how to use like online help <laughs> contractors. And after doing that, you know, I found somebody that really worked well. And then we were able to get more people. And then we actually like set up an office over there to support it as it grew. So it was, and then I had somebody that w- had been working with me for a number of years. And they were interested in buying the practice at some point, and we had worked that into a partnership agreement. And so before the pandemic, I had started an online education company without really meaning to. It was more of an accident of I created it to be a service because I was the... I was, like, the president of a local um, association for my profession, and there was a training that needed to be completed by everybody, and it was a very specific training that had to be approved by, like, the state, and I said, well, I can do that, sure, why not? And uh, I had a bunch of students that were like graduate students, undergrad students, high school students, and they were all working together with me. And we created a, a training, got it approved, and I was able to give it out to all our members. But then I was... Sitting, holding, like paying for everything. Like, I was like, it's like $300 a year to like post this and everything. So I monetized it and I was like, well, hopefully at some point, you know, maybe I'll get 10 bucks or 20 bucks to kind of pay for it. And then people started buying it because it was like, it was a, I didn't even realize it turned into a thing people I didn't know what was going on because I just kept getting notifications that I just had money being deposited into my account like every half an hour when I was on a camping trip it was really crazy and so I was like okay well this is a thing but I was busy with my practice so I just kind of left it run on the back burner and then when the pandemic hit I was kind of burnt out and I was like I talked to my partner and they said they would be happy to purchase it. And then I decided to focus on my online business that I had started. And so they were very happy. They got a, you know, they got a great working business and uh, I was able to exit out of there. And then I was able to move to a, to a nicer, to a, to a place with a better climate because I was going a bit nuts during the pandemic kind of being stuck at home as I'm sure a lot of people were and uh, yeah I focused on the other business business and grew that for a, a few years
2: so so this the sec the second business started to started to grow and blow up and you obviously were in nursing so I assume that your marketing and advertising background wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't your forte so you figured it out once with the first business how did you figure out? How to scale this business?
0: Uh, I had the experience of doing the first business, so I knew how to work with online contractors and how to like form a team. Um, and I just kind of went from there. Uh, I had a I had somebody that I knew, and I actually had texted her and said, "Hey, do you know anybody that wants to?" do you know like customer service for me like you know part-time because I need somebody and I was expecting her to I'd send it out to a bunch of people asking and then she has sent back hey I can do that and then after a month she you know chatted with me and said hey I really love this uh, I want to can I do this full-time this is a lot of fun I get to create and do things and it's total you know wild west and I get to do all of this and create something from scratch and I said if you can pay your salary, you can work. <laughs> so she was, she was, she was really determined to find a way to help me grow it so that she could have a job that she really liked. And uh, it worked out really well because we were able to figure out how to start a uh, growing thing. And when it started, I'm not going to say it wasn't big when we started. It was like, I think total revenue in a year was something like $40,000. And by the time we exited out, like the revenue was, uh, you know, over seven figures. So, how did you
2: find a company to to acquire you? Obviously, the first company, it was a professional based company. Your partner bought you out. So, that was like a logical place to look. How did you put this together? And when did you know that it was time?
0: I bluffed my way through what I thought I could accomplish. I just told myself that I was going to do X, Y, and Z, where I said, oh, I'm going to. No. Well, okay, I'll back up. I found out there's something called MA. I had no clue what that was. Like you're talking to somebody that literally like stumbles into things and doesn't know what she's doing and then goes, okay, let's go full hog and figure out what's going on and like go really deep. So anyway, I found out there's M&A, which is merger and acquisitions. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but there's all of these companies, there's all these brokers, there's all these things. I found out there's ones that specifically focus on online businesses. And so I actually entered, I, I actually talked to a few of them and had them do evaluation on on the business and tell me what it was worth. And they told me what it was worth. And I was like, well, if it's worth this now, I was like, I bet I can double or triple that. Let me get back to you in, in, you know, six to 12 months. And so that's what I did. And so then I just kind of focused really hard and tried to figure out. Like the best way that I could grow it, like over the next like six to twelve months, and then after I grew it to what I thought was going to be a good point, I got back in contact with the one that I thought was the most professional and I liked the best, and uh, they got all the information from me and they said, yeah, we would be glad to take you on. And how they're paid is they're paid on a percentage of what they sell something for. And so I gave them all the information and I told them I'm going on vacation for like a month. And, uh, and they said, that's fine. Just give us all the information. And then when I got back in the month, at the end of the month, my goal was to have my business working completely without me needing to be present. That was kind of part of the whole taking a month off as well as, you know, it's kind of nice to take a month off and my kids are that age. So when I came back after that month, I still, you know, got contacted a few times, but they had the listing already. They told me what evaluation was i saw that the business was really able to run without me and you know it didn't crash and burn which is good because <laughs> i was really worried about that mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, they took it to market and within a month I had multiple full price competing offers, which was really crazy. And, uh, within a month I accepted an offer and it was like a super close, like within a month. And, uh, that was kind of that.
2: I'm sure Jace wants to ask this question when I'm going to jump in front of him. <laughs> what did it feel like to look at the whatever you sold the company for in your bank account?
0: It didn't feel real. It didn't feel real at all because, like, the money got wired in because that's what that was how it. It goes, I don't know if that's how it always goes, but the money got wired in and I'm looking at multiple seven figure exit and I'm like, I don't really know what to do with this, but I'm going to do the same thing that I have done. And and the thing is, you know, they take a cut out of it and then, you know, the government lines up. They want their, their, their nice big chunk of like 25% sure. or 30% or 10% or w- whatever it is after, you know, your CPA goes through and everything. But yeah, it's just kind of like, um, okay, well this is difference and it's kind of it's kind of nice but it's also really weird and i was really uncomfortable with it and still nobody knows like my husband knows of course but that's it like nobody. Well, congratulations
2: else. two-time nice. seller of, of her company that's amazing what did you what was the first thing you splurged on i don't know or did you splurge were you like so midwest <laughs> that you couldn't <laughs> spend money on yourself or what
0: <laughs> I'm like I'll spend money on myself here and there but um I think our, there was really no big splurge afterwards like like I just got back from a from a vacation with the kids and my husband but that wasn't any like huge splurge there wasn't I don't know I think i might've gone out to, a, I'm like, I know me and my husband joked, we went out to like a dinner or something and had some drinks, but that was probably like under a hundred dollars. There wasn't like any big, like huge thing that I can think of right now that we did because it's just not, it's just kind of not in my nature. It's because like the, the biggest thing for me is I, I come from uh so one of the bigger things for me is like growing up, both of my, Parents um, technically were poor. My my mom now, you know, has a good net worth, but that was after I was out of the house, out of college, everything. But I went to school on Pell grants and scholarships and tuition reimbursement and anything I could scrape together. So having money isn't a common thing and my husband didn't come from money either he's an immigrant so he came to this country with like i think he said a thousand or two thousand dollars i don't know by the time i met him he had like ten thousand in the credit card debt and nothing else to his name and like two suitcases and was sleeping on the floor in a in a what do you call it he was sleeping on a hard wooden floor in a sleeping bag sharing a house with like eight other guys so neither one of us is very comfortable like spending money our biggest splurge, i would say is deciding to move, you know, to the nice sunny belt of like the west coast. Pretty
1: remarkable story when you when you lay it out like that. How much debt did did you all start with essentially when you first kind of got rolling?
0: So, I had about 30,000 in like principal with uh with like student loans and that was like after all of my scholarships and my fellowships and my you know, like teaching assistants and Pell grants and tuition, everything I could possibly put together. Just trying to live. My husband had about, I don't know, I think he had like 10 to 15,000 on his credit card because that was how he managed to get through like the last year or so of school while he was trying to get a job. So that was what we started with. And then let's see, I owned my car I had like a car loan for like two thousand dollars and he had like he had to get a car loan for like five or eight thousand dollars I think that was like when we were both like trying to get our first jobs because we had to have a way to get there and then we didn't have anything else to our name that was it that was like I guess technically that's not as bad as some people that are graduating like a hundred or two thousand in debt but then we graduated bought our first house and we bought our house right as the stock right as everything was crashing back in like oh seven and so our house we bought it for like two hundred thousand and it crashed by 50 percent, which meant we owe two hundred thousand on a house that was only worth a hundred thousand so technically we were really in debt then like we were like a hundred thousand dollars in debt for doing nothing because we just bought a house at the wrong time yeah that kind of sucked a lot (laughs)
1: <laughs> wow how much did it cost you to get into these two businesses that you ended up selling
0: well the one was about five thousand dollars that was what i had saved um in the bank that was what i used to buy like supplies and a scale and a website and you know business cards and stuff like that the second one was like 200 bucks i think
1: wow
0: um, talk about because... an roi <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. i'm like I'm, I'm like it was one of those like Because the the second one was just an accidental, it wasn't even supposed to be a business. It was, you know, Mitrice trying to provide like something of, you know, value to somebody else and, you know, working through it and having students help me because they also needed projects. It helped them. It helped us. It helped the members. And then after everything was said and done, I could have shut it down. But I was like, well, I might as well leave it up. So that was kind of, that was the start. And then it just kind of, and I never really did anything. It just kind of sat there for like two years.
1: Hmm. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh
0: pre-portioned
1: ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Spend less time in the kitchen with quick and easy meals like HelloFresh, Fast and Fresh pineapple chicken tacos, or falafel power bowls ready in 15 minutes or less. HelloFresh keeps your taste buds on their toes with 40 recipes and over 100 seasonal and convenience items to choose from each week. With so much variety, there are options for everyone and every lifestyle. No worries if you're not a pro in the kitchen. HelloFresh foolproof recipes arrive pre-portioned and are easy to prep in just a few steps. And I got to tell you, as a user of HelloFresh myself, I am impressed. The food tastes amazing. It arrives on time and it is so easy to make. Saves us so much time. In fact, go to HelloFresh.com slash Millionaire50 and use code Millionaire50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Once again, that's HelloFresh. Dot com slash millionaire50 and use code millionaire50 for 50% off. Plus your first box ships free. And once again, thanks to HelloFresh America's number one meal kit for sponsoring today's episode. When, when things were blowing and going, how did you decide how much to invest in the business to grow it versus, you know, paying yourself, taking more home, putting in retirement accounts, etc
0: you know, I never had any faster, hard rules. I just, I just wanted to be comfortable. And I just knew like I had this much I had to pay like my employees and I had this much that I had for overhead and I needed to meet that. And then I decided, you know, if I wanted to grow something where I was like, okay, and I would look at, you know, other things, I'd be like, well, what is this going to cost me to do? I probably could have grown things a lot faster if I actually for both businesses, if I had been willing to take out loans, but I wasn't, I bootstrapped everything. So it was one of those things where I just kind of took what I thought was an okay amount. Um, But I always tried to, so the one thing I will say is I always tried with both businesses to put as much in retirement as was the max, if I could afford it. If, if like there was, yeah, whatever the max was that, you know, tax-wise I was allowed to do, that's what I kind of shoved in there. And for the first whatever year it was, I think it was first two years. The first year I made like negative. So when people think about, they're like, oh, you must be rolling the money. You have a practice. No, I lost like $20,000 the first year. And then the second year, I think I made like $50,000. So when you balance the two years together and two years of work full-time, I made $30,000. So Thankfully, my husband was always working and always had a decent job because otherwise we wouldn't have been homeless.
1: What inspired you to keep going when you were essentially taking a massive pay cut to get that practice off the ground?
0: Because if I didn't do it, I didn't regret it. And I try to live with no regrets. And it, also during that time, so I can't say we would have been homeless, but we would have definitely been in worse shape. But I was working part time. Also, I was doing technically my husband had to like stop me at, at some point and say, um, how many hours do you want to be working in the day? Because I was teaching a full time class load almost for a university, um, for, uh, nurse practitioners. And then I also was working like PRN part-time at the local hospital in their urgent cares. And then I was also running my practice, trying to get it up and off the ground. So he was like, dude, you're working like 60 hours a week and you have a one or two year old, like you need to like decide what you're going to do. And at that point I did, after the first year I did leave, like the hospital and then i also cut down my hours at like the university because i was like yeah you're kind of right it's like it's not worth burning yourself out and working that hard which was funny because i was also telling him at the same time dude you're working like 50 60 hours a week like you need to like calm it down a little bit so we were both trying to we're both kind of motivated but at the same time we're both trying to tell ourselves to balance things out
1: yeah for sure I want to go back to to something Brad hit on, you know, asking about when you, when that wire comes in and and you know the emotional impact, but more so, you know, how when you get that big cash influx, how do you start thinking about what you're going to do with it from a deployment standpoint? How did you psychologically work through that, knowing that you can't let it sit in cash forever?
0: I told myself I wouldn't do anything drastic for the first six months because. People make really bad and rash decisions. And I was like, look, I can buy another business. Ooh, look at that. I can buy that. Ooh, I can go here. Let's do. <laughs> So it was really helpful to just tell myself I wouldn't do anything for it with it for like the first six months, really. You know, I I stuck a big chunk in like a brokerage account. But yeah, because you're like, you're like, I have all this. But the other thing is I was really uncomfortable with it. And it wasn't so I will I will say this because people are like, oh, you made all your money when you sold your last business or the business before. Really that made up probably only 20% of our current, 25% of our current net worth, you know, selling after selling the business after taxes and everything. And I had to go to the bank for something. I had to open another account because I needed to make things go smoother with our current rental home that we have. And the guy's eyes were sitting there and all of a sudden he sat up straighter as he got into my account and he looked at me a little bit differently because I'm sitting there in like my kind of old clothes and my stained fanny pack. And I'm just asking if I can get like a free checking account for my, uh, for our rental property so that I can keep things and he and he was like uh do you do you usually keep this much in your account and I was like I kind of wanted to hide <laughs> because it was really uncomfortable to kind of be that that person it it just didn't feel normal it didn't feel you know because right now everything's scattered so it, it nothing's all in one clump except for that one and it also made me really uncomfortable because I was like what about if the bank goes out of business and like it's only insured, I think up to like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? Um, so that was that was one of those really uncomfortable moments, and I I was like, okay, I, I apparently need to get more comfortable with what my life circumstances are.
1: Appreciate you sharing that. I mean, it's it's an incredible journey that that you've gone on. I want to shift a little bit more towards kind of what the future looks like. You know, as you transition you know, to, to this, I guess, next stage of your life. Are you mm-hmm. going to buy another business, start another business? Are you retired at this point? What's kind of the the mindset and the plans going forward?
0: Right now I'm going to say I'm semi-retired. I'm just kind of, I'm trying to figure it out because I want to say, I don't think I could ever work in a typical corporate job. I've been out of the cage for too long to like have to fit myself back into like an employee mentality like we're not totally 100 and this sounds really weird to say we're not totally 100% retired with our current net worth like it's not going to get us to retirement because it's really expensive where we live and if we decided to pick up and move like let's say i wanted to move back to the midwest somewhere yes we could retire on what we have but i've ran all the projections i've done all of it And it's not going to get us there, like, like so. So we we are going to have to do something. And my my husband's currently trying to figure out what he wants to do. Also, he's also not working for the last few months, which is a new thing for him because that's that's never been him either. So he's also kind of in a new situation. So I'm like, do I buy a business? I keep like looking at all these things that really bug me, and I'm like, well, maybe I could fix that, or maybe I can do this. So I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do because i've tried to be a stay-at-home mom a couple times and at like your brain just keeps working on things like if you're that person like you're like oh i can do this look at that what i do this and then you start like building up a business plan or you start going through things or you do projections and like drives it drives my husband nuts and he's like go find someone else to talk to you about which is great because i have People that like get it and like are kind of in the same situation. But it's a it's a it's a weird place to be because I'm like I'm not technically retired, but I'm also not where most 42 year olds are with kids and nobody thinks anything of me. They Like see me walking down the street and like I don't in any way, shape or form strike anybody as, oh, she's like this business person or she's this rich person or she's this or that. And I'm not.
1: How much do you think you would need to retire your current location and lifestyle and stage
0: i worked it out and to stay living in our current area and like you know like i'm gonna assume one of my kids is going to struggle and kind of need like some support or something at some point because like my one has some delays and he goes to therapy like twice a week for you know or yeah and like there there's all these like different like medical things he has going on so i'm guessing where we're currently living probably to definitely not run out it's going to be about probably i'm guessing 12 million and that's not even like doing anything like special that's like we're not the people that are like oh let's go buy a boat let's go do any of these really really fancy vacations like this is like no probably because i also help support my dad who lives back in the midwest because he's he is poor just straight out like i have all, all the assistance programs i can get him on but i also provide money for him every month and i pay like his caregiver to go and like help take care of him and everything like that so that's kind of what I'm thinking
1: so let's let's think through this just a little bit I'm, I'm curious to kind of dive into the thought process so 12 million basically doubling from where you are now and i guess 12 million does that include everything's paid for or is that house is paid for in say, that in that scenario
0: so i would say 12 12 million, just like total net worth, assuming we're in the house that we're currently in and it's paid off.
1: Okay. So liquid livable. We have. Liquid livable. Maybe you're at eight then?
0: Hold on. I'm gonna look at this. Yeah, so like eight or nine liquid.
1: And then you're thinking you'll live on how much or need how much a year annually, essentially, to live on.
0: So this is the so this is the crazy thing. I worked out. I don't I don't know how many people like actually look at things as a yearly cost, but our yearly cost for our house that we're currently living in is like eighty thousand dollars, which is crazy to me because like that's like what our entire like spending was for the year up until like the last couple of years. Like we, I was like, that's insane. And so like we probably still need like fifty to eighty thousand on top of that.
2: It's eighty thousand to maintain the house. Yes. Property yep. taxes and everything. Yeah.
0: Yes. That's not like housekeeping. That's like taxes, mortgage. Yeah.
1: If you didn't have the mortgage, though, you wouldn't have a chunk of that, right?
0: If we if we didn't have the mortgage, well, that would bring our net worth up you know, another $1.2
1: Correct. But I'm just thinking in terms yeah. of your cost of living in the house, if it's paid for, property yeah, taxes, so our, insurance, if you do decide to insure, regular yes, maintenance. That's,
0: so that's like twenty to 25000 still for the okay. taxes and yep, yep. home insurance. Yeah.
1: So all, all things considered, you're thinking inflationary environment, mm-hmm. I, I guess with inflationary environment over time, you're, you're probably, everything paid off, you're still probably needing a couple hundred mm-hmm. grand, plus a year just to live basic expenses, then some on top of that to help children, others, et cetera.
0: Yeah. To live like our current life that we currently are. And this isn't, this isn't like any huge mega impressive thing. This is like, I'm, I'm budgeting like 10 to 20,000 for travel a year as a family for four and, you know, just public school. This is not private school. (laughs) and like saving for their college all that stuff yeah it's probably like 100 to 130 a year that we need after after like you know, the, the, all the, what it takes just to maintain the house that we're currently living in.
1: Are you afraid of ever running out of money?
0: I don't think I am right now. Um, I, you know, I'm only 42. We have a long time that we can keep getting things and then we can keep earning and that we can like create more wealth and things like that. But you know, like if we stopped now, we're like, we're done. Yes, by all means, like we would run out. I, I projected it out. I think it's in like 20 years, we're, we're done. Like it's gone. And, and it, it's gone. Like we would sell our house that we our other house that's a rental, but we wouldn't sell it. It, it. You know, it's fully paid off, but it provides income. But yeah, like in 20 years, if we didn't do anything, we would be completely out, which is which is crazy to me. That, that's absolutely insane.
1: Hmm, that is crazy. Well, let's wrap up with some rapid fire questions. What's the most expensive pair of shoes that you've purchased?
0: $120.
1: Okay. What about the most expensive meal out that you've paid for?
0: I went to the herb farm up by Seattle and that was like 350 per plate.
1: Okay. What about the uh, most expensive car?
0: That is my current one. It was like, I want to say it was like 42 used. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, what has been the most expensive trip or experience that you've paid for?
0: That would be going India for a few weeks with my two kids and my husband and that was staying with family the majority of the time that still came out to like 15 or twenty thousand. okay and that was flying economy. That wasn't like any. Big fancy meals or anything—it's just kids are kind of expensive, and it all after two weeks adds up.
1: (laughs) Yep, yep. Uh, What what's still on the bucket list?
0: I want to do a. I want to take my kids around to a lot of places because they're getting older, and I just realized like my oldest like is a teenager in just a few months, and I would like him to see the stuff that I didn't get to because I never went you know, he he's been going international since he was like one. But um I didn't get to do any of the stuff and I would I'm like, I've never gotten to go to Italy or around the Mediterranean or I haven't been in South America. I haven't been to so many places. I'm like, it'd be nice to take my kids there too, so they could have the experience. Um I think I think those are some big things. I also would like to as weird as it sounds, I would like to travel by myself for a while because it's totally (laughs) different to travel by yourself without your spouse or your children. Just as a single woman, it's not something that a lot of people are open to doing because they think it's dangerous. But you can you can find you can find like there are some like groups and things like that. And so that's something that I really want to do, like that I've been looking into the last couple months.
1: Okay. What is a, a key lesson from childhood that you learned?
0: I guess you don't want hear about all the trauma those those aren't lessons people want to know about um (laughs) I would say the main lesson I learned is you can I would say you can kind of do anything you just have to have a like like the one thing I was always told was uh you just have to have a way to like support yourself like it doesn't matter what it is like it was never something where I was told I had to go to college or anything like that I was just told you have to support yourself um you have to have a a plan to support yourself. And then, you know, I was I always had it drilled into me because I I did watch my grandma declare bankruptcy. I watched my dad declare bankruptcy. I watched my dad lose his house. I watched All that stuff. So I learned like you have to support yourself and you have to find some way to do that and don't get yourself into debt because, yeah, you kind of lose everything. Um, So that was those are like some really big things, I think, impact on like how I approach things.
1: Okay, what's a closely held belief that you've changed your mind on?
0: Get help. (laughs) That was uh, when I was growing up, it was always like you need to do everything yourself. And that was something that I have definitely changed. Um, I will pay people to do things now. I will spend money on myself and get what I need. I will spend money on tools that um, are going to help me progress in whatever I'm trying to do. I will have somebody clean my house because I absolutely am cranky and I hate it and I can't clean it to the standard I want my house clean to and my husband definitely is not going to. <clears throat> and also something I didn't know but is, is huge is like having somebody that's on the same page as you. My mom always kind of did everything on her own like as far as like it's me against the world and you know, nobody can do things as good as I am, but, or I do, or and my ways, the highway, but that's not the way it really goes. It's like you have to get help or ask people's opinions or ask people to help you out with things.
1: Okay. Luck, skill, hard work. How would you rank them?
0: I think people that work hard get really lucky. I don't know how much skill has to do with it. I think if you're willing to learn, I think if you learn from stuff, then you're going to get more skills. But a lot of people like they're 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 shown things and they just don't take anything away from it always, but I I have people that I know, they work so hard, but they have had the worst luck and they are in horrible places. So I think luck comes first, then hard work and then skill.
1: Okay. What are any mistakes that you've made that you would caution any against or final words of advice for somebody who's just starting out? You
0: know, I didn't, like, even though I say, like, I invested, like, in our retirement stuff, until probably my late 30s, I didn't over- open a brokerage account. I didn't invest it. I had one thing of investing that I did. Um, and that was in, of all things, that was when I was an undergrad. And I'm getting, and probably nobody remembers this, but P&G kind of like crashed. Like PG, like the company, the stock, just like crashed and it was just wiping out everybody's things. Cause I knew a lot of people that were worked at PNG and all their money was in PNG stock. So I learned don't leave all your stuff in one stock. But what I did was I had some money sitting in the bank. And also a bad thing, don't ever do this, but I took all the money I had sitting in the bank. And I bought P&G stock because I figured it crashed and it's a blue chip fund. And I had heard about that, but I didn't really know what was going on. So it was just me being stupid and being 20. And I bought P&G stock and I was lucky it went up. It doubled in value in like seven or eight months or something like that. And then I sold it. And that was how I had money to buy pay for things for like a year. And I would tell people that's luck and also really bad idea. Don't invest everything in one stock. And I wish somebody had given me information about actually invest in the stock market. And this is an index fund. And this is all the stuff. And I didn't learn any of that until I was and I didn't touch the stock market again, except for putting money into retirement until I was in my late 30s. So I wish I had actually taken the money that I had sitting in my like checking and savings and actually put it into the stock market. But live and learn.
1: Awesome. That's Nicole net worth of 5.6 million. Thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.